Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. So great to have you with us for episode 352 of the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, I got my friend and a friend of the program, Ron Tite, joining us for his third time on the show. So good to have him back with us today. This guy is just a uh, hilarious guy, one that is really, really full of, uh, of wisdom and nuggets of knowledge. And I think you're going to enjoy today's show. Now, if you know anything about professional racing, then you're probably familiar with the challenge of a driver being caught in a corner. And so Ron's going to take this concept today of a year of global mayhem and how speakers can get out of the corner and then find that straight away. Ron unpacks so much in this episode. You're going to love what he has to say about embracing your audience, working within limitations, and he's going to talk about what he's learned during such a crazy year with virtual speaking. Now, he's really adjusted well to virtual speaking. He's going to walk us through exactly what he's done to figure out technology, why he's prioritized content, and where he sees the future of virtual speaking going. So uh, you're really going to want to stick around for all of that. It's always fun to have uh, Ron on the show. He's got a ton of great insight to share. So uh, let's get right into it. Here's my conversation on finding the straightaway with Ron Tight. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speak Lab podcast. Today, we are joined by our friend, Mr. Ron Tight, who you can't see him right now. I can't. He's getting emotional and choked up right now. He took a drink right as I'm starting the intro here. Uh, <laughs> you, you good? I'm good. Yeah, I went down the wrong. <laughs> have you have you ever had that happen where like you're you're backstage for a gig, they're announcing you, and like as they're announcing you, like some like your fly gets stuck or like the mic starts messing up or you choke on a, a drink? Have you had anything like that? I've totally had it. I've totally had it. In fact, I went out, I did a gig in front of I don't think it was like two thousand people, uh, and I went out with my fly down, <laughs> and it was twenty minutes into the speech before I realized it was down. How did you realize it? Or people- I, I your, your, your listeners can't see me, but I was like, you know when you're like, you, you go to gesture towards the screen, uh -huh. yeah. you know, and you're like, that's why that thing. And then when I turned around and I was on iCan or on uh, uh, iMac. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So my image was actually the thing that was on the screen and I turned and I could see it. And then I, as I came around, my hand brushed the front of my pants. I'm like, is that? And so, you know, I've got a background in comedy. So there's a rule in comedy that says like you never ignore the reality of the room. Yeah. And so the only way to deal with it is to call it out. Yep. yep. And so I, I just paused. I walked down off the stage directly in front of the front row. And I said, I, it was as if I was whispering, but obviously I was Mike the whole room. Right, right. And I was like, uh, has this been down the whole time? <laughs> and people are like, mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. I zipped it up. And then I said, 
you have one job. <laughs> if the speaker comes out and the fly is down, you do a hand gesture, you motion up, you just go, <clears throat> you know, come on, you work with me, here, you know, so, and then I moved on. And uh, I think that in any, whenever that happens, that's the way to deal with it. If you do swallow yeah. something bad, you, you know, you hit the stage and you're still coughing, you go, I, you know, I was, I am so excited that I'm out of breath. I'm coughing to catch my breath. That's how excited I am to be here. But as a speaker, I don't know about you, and I assume this is the case, like you love those raw, real moments that this is not scripted, this is not planned, this is one of those like you had to be there moment, we all experienced this together, you can't recreate that, it's not a yeah. bit that you do that every time you walk out, you yeah. fly down, it's just something that happened, and the audience feels like, oh, we got to see behind the curtain for a second, yeah. and we got to 100%. see that, we got to see like the slide of hand, we got to see how the, the, his hands messed up, you know, and we got yeah. to see it, like that, I love those moments for an audience. Yeah. And I think when, if you can, if it makes you laugh, like, and you, you have a genuine laugh about what right. just happened. I think that shows that, I think it shows a couple of things. I think it shows that you're a real person who's not more important than the material or you're, you know what yeah. I mean? Like you're just, you're totally there. Um, but it also means you're so dialed into, you're so present in that room with them that it's not like you have a script and you're just doing the script. You're so present that that emotionally moved you in a funny way too. Yeah. And it becomes this shared experience between speaker and audience that sometimes we don't always have that because they, they can feel like, ah, you like, I've seen this speech before. Like, I know you've done this bit before. Right. Um, so it's kind of, it breaks down the fourth wall as our acting friends would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I mean, this was none of this was planned uh, for this type of intro. <laughs> right, so yeah. we actually, uh, we this is your third time back on the show. We had you back in episode 45, episode 250, which were uh, years ago. Yeah. So uh, good to have you back. A lot has happened since then. So one of the things I want to yeah. go back to is you are a, um, a very, very successful speaker. You're up in Canada. You do a lot of speaking in, in Canada, but as well in the US, all over the world. Uh, and you do like big, big time, like corporate gigs, association gigs um, as a keynote. You're doing how, like how many on a, on a Pre-COVID, how many keynotes are you typically doing a year? Well, in 2019, I think I did 72. That's not, and like big stages, like you're going to yeah. undersell it, but I'm going to, I'm going to go to bat for you here that like, these are like legit audiences, legit venues, legit uh, clients that you're working with. So talk to us about. Yeah, I, like I don't do many freebies. Yeah. Yeah. I'd maybe do five free. And I only do free if it's for a not-for-profit association who could use it. Or for a friend, you know, yeah. like when Robert Rose ran Hanley call, like, yeah, I'm happy to help out. Yeah, totally. So with someone who is their, their business is, is uh, nearly a hundred percent based upon speaking to large crowds in large settings uh, last March, 2020 hits and business. We were talking a little bit before we started recording, just kind of catching up and sounds like within a day, like for so many speakers, things just disappeared, went away. Yeah. Uh, talk us through what was that day? What was that week like? Um, and how did you think about that for the next couple of weeks? Because you, you also mentioned um, that uh, that world shuts down, business is affected, and then uh, a dramatic personal thing happens as well. Can you talk us through that. <laughs> yeah. And spoiler alert, it wasn't a heart attack, although it, <laughs> it should have been. But um, yeah, so, you know, I do, uh, I have an agency. Um, so that is kind of one side of the business. And then speaking is a, is a separate revenue stream. And um, and I do, I'm exclusive with a bureau. 
so that's kind of to paint the picture. So that means like my contracts and everything are all, everything is through the Bureau, through Speaker Spotlight, who are a wonderful group of people. And so within those contracts, there is something called the force majeure clause, which is, hey, if you book Ron for whatever date and it's a week before, you can't cancel. I'm sorry, you can't, you pay, you can cancel, but you're still paying full. The only time you get out of that clause is the force majeure clause, which is an act of God. And if there is an act of God, then that signals that you can get your money back. And so, and you can cancel. So leading up to, oh, stuff is happening. No one was really canceling because they they wouldn't get their money. They stopped to pay me Um, because there was so much that was unknown. But the second the World Health Organization declared a global pandemic, that is a force majeure. That is an act of God. Suddenly everybody can get their money back. And it was fast and furious. People like cancel, 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 cancel. So the 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 sound of opportunity and revenue being flushed down the toilet in one afternoon on um, by the afternoon of the twelfth, and um, and so that was the afternoon of the twelfth. The evening of the twelfth, um, as my entire world has been rocked. And by the way, all this is going on, and I don't know what's going to happen with the agency. Yeah. So you know, it's a twenty-five person agency. I don't know what's going to happen there either. The evening of the 12th, my wife and I go to a hospital and we have a baby the next morning. We have our second child. Not now, honey. <laughs> just can you breathe a little harder? Just, just give me a minute. I've had a, I've had a busy day. <laughs> so my wife, as, as a father of, of three beautiful children, you will appreciate this. My wife kind of, you know, got up. At, it was three in the morning when she she got up and said, we have to go to the hospital. I was still up. And she goes, why are you, why are you still up at three in the morning? And I said, because I'm doing the math Mm. because everything had changed. And I'm like, so I'm planning financial scenarios for us as a family and all this, because my wife was also going on a mat leave, you know, at that point. So, um, and then, so the baby was born at nine 45. I was on a phone with my banker at uh, 11 AM that day. So that just everything completely went sideways. So it starts with survival, right? Of like, I got to make sure that my people are, are safe and everything. So we, you know, deployed everybody virtually right away. We supported our people as best as we could. We streamlined our team to make sure that we could, you know, cover off our accounts that we had. And um, we stopped all kind of, oh, these innovative initiatives that were, no, it's about survival right now. Um, and so, uh, so I dialed back into the agency right away. Um, and that went very smoothly and remarkably well. And we had a fantastic year. So that all went well. Um, from a speaking standpoint, I, within a week, realized, okay, obviously virtual is going to be a thing. Uh, and um, with, within two weeks, uh, we as an agency put out a white paper called brand in the time of COVID. So we like right away, like what are our clients going to do? What do they need to do? We put this huge report together. Um, most of it was done by our uh, chief strategy officer, Daniel Langer hack. So we did that. So I know a lot of people like rush to figure out the tech. I did the opposite, which was I rushed to figure out the content. And I like, what is like, whatever I, it could be a phone call. What, what what content am I delivering? Because I can't go through. You've seen my, you know, some of my speeches. Yeah. I can't go through and talk about hotel customer service. Nobody's I can't do that. 
I can't talk about airplanes. Right. It's totally irrelevant, even though they're great examples. So it became, I need to find, like I rushed into like, who's doing what? Like what brands are surviving? What are leaders doing? Like everything. So I just really focused on that. And then I started to explore opportunities. And um, because I needed to force myself into a gig to apply my thinking to a specific organization mm -hmm. to go like, what, what should you do from a speaking standpoint? We were doing it with agency clients. And so I started working with a big bank in Canada and went into their HR. And I was like, okay, let's figure this out together. Cause I want to figure it out. You want to figure it out. And I stumbled on something that was a really interesting metaphor. And I don't know how I stumbled on it. Um, I think I was watching TV and um, I saw an interview with like Jackie Stewart and he said the exit from the corner is more important than the entry. Hmm. And a light bulb went off and was like, Oh my God, we're in the middle of a corner. And so I started to explore the world of car racing and how does a professional driver go from a straightaway into a corner? Cause the thinking is like anybody can win in a straightaway. And so the, the metaphor immediately made sense to me of like, oh, we've been in a straightaway for a long time. You gun it, yeah. you just put the pedal to the metal. But what does the driver do when they enter the corner? How do they handle that? So the first thing a driver does is they, they slow the car down. And the reason they do that is to gain control of the car. So they go from the state of chaos to a state of composure, right? And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I just need to make sure the car doesn't skid out. But, and this was the, this was the most interesting point that I confirmed with, you know, Preet Banerjee, right? I don't think I do. You know, Preet. No. So Preet's, Preet's another speaker. He's a finance speaker, good friend of mine, great guy, uh, who's also a race car driver. Okay. He's just one of those brilliantly good looking and charming people. And you're like, oh, you're a race car driver too. Okay, great. <laughs> um, sure. And I checked with him and I said, I thought I heard somewhere that a, to win in race car driving in Formula One, a great driver accelerates in the middle of the corner. And he goes, yeah, that's the trick is that the faster you can, like, soon as you hit, get control of the car, you accelerate yeah. so that you accelerate out of the corner. And then boom, that was my metaphor. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to explore that. And so created this idea of C to C leadership of going from a state of chaos to a state of composure and then reintroducing chaos by accelerating so that composure doesn't become complacency. Cause that's what I started to see was suddenly people like really early people were saying, well, you know, this is what we're doing now. And I was like, no, like this is such an opportunity. And so C2C leadership. And within two weeks, I had that platform. Wow. And then I just started to build around it of like with other things, you know, with other examples and other brand examples, other stories that I were inspired by and just continued to build it over time. Then once I had it, I pulled an, I like literally haven't done this since university. I don't think I pulled an all-nighter. And I just said, I'm going to figure out the tech. Hmm. I'm going to figure out the tech in one night. And I just stayed up and I played with Ecamm and I watched tutorials and I tested and I tried different microphones. And so again, your listeners can't see this, but the reason I've got this white wall behind me is because I use Ecamm Live, which brings slides, you know, over yeah. here. And so that I can be a, like a newscaster and 
Uh, and so I just figured out the tech in one night and, and reached out for help. And, um, you know, there's so many, like people, Mitch Joel was just so incredibly helpful because he, he geeked out on it too. And then there I was. And then I was ready to deliver updated content with an updated uh, approach and technique. Hey friends, do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker? Well, if not, listen up because these same five steps to help me to grow a seven-figure speaking career are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker. Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, and building your platform. Whether you want to speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step roadmap. Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker. Well, I think one thing that's that's so important for speakers to understand at whether we're in or out of, of a pandemic is that when you're, you're playing with a story or you're playing with an idea, you're, you're playing with an educated guess until you get in front of an audience. So the whole metaphor you line out is like, this makes a ton of sense, but does yeah. this make a ton of sense to the audience or does this work or me explaining it to someone else? And so you, you have to get in front of people. And in fact, I remember from maybe the last episode that we have, or even just conversations we've had, you talk about this idea of, I don't remember what you call it. The, the, was it the, the imperfect, new two? The new two. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So um, maybe as a refresher, explain that concept and, and um, maybe because I can, I can really see like how that's, how that relates to this of going like, this is, this is new content. And I think it makes sense, but I don't know until I get in front of an audience. So walk us through what that new two means. Yeah. So the new two is, um, I, you know, I, when I hear speakers say I'm writing a new speech, I get hives. Like they're saying like, oh, I'm giving a speech in two weeks. I'm writing and preparing a new speech for that. I go, what, what are you talking That's like. Chris Rock going, oh yeah, yeah, I'm shooting a new Netflix special. Like I'm just writing that material. Like what? You can't do that in one sitting. You can't just write a speech. Doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that. You need to develop stuff over a year. Like until you're like, and that's what comedians do, right? They tour, they write a base material then they start to tour it and they tweak it and they tweak it and they tweak it and refine it, refine it, refine it over a year. And then they, then they end up with the special. They're ready with the special. So to do that, I, like to think that I'm always writing the next speech every day. I'm writing the next speech because I'm always reading and I'm always writing. And so if I read an article in Harvard business review, and I think like, Oh, I'm going to share this out to my group, to my quote unquote community, whatever, wherever that is. What I do is I then editorialize that article and say, this is really important because of paragraph six. And I like this idea and I disagree with this. And let's say I share that to LinkedIn. I then take my speaker notes that I've, the the editorialized notes, I create a slide in the moment. And if it's a key graph, if it's a key quote, if it's something that I've written, if it's an image that demonstrates what the idea is about, I design the slide right there in the moment. I put my notes into the speaker notes and I put the slide into a bucket. Hmm. Authenticity, leadership, you know, whatever. I then I duplicate that. I take it to the same thing into Scrivener. So I take that, the reference of the article, my thoughts that I shared to LinkedIn, and I put that into Scrivener within a similar bucket scheme because I'm always writing the next book too. Mm-hmm. 
Then the next time I go to do a speech, I look to see what I have put into the buckets and I choose the thing that's most appropriate for that audience. And I force myself to use it. And I go, I'm bringing this in. This is my new two. It's the new two minutes. Hmm. And every audience that you're before subsidizes a future audience. And excuse me, they subsidize. Such a good way to put it. Yeah, right. Like, so if I'm in front of Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola is subsidizing the IBM speech I'm going to do in six months because they're watching me do that two minutes for the very first time. Mm -hmm. And it's unpolished and it's imperfect. And I don't even know whether it works. Now, luckily I've got 58 minutes of other stuff that other people have subsidized. Right, right. So now it's like, that's the deal, right? So I go in with the new two and like you, Grant, you know, like you just, you, you feel it even in a Zoom environment. You feel just from your own delivery, whether it makes sense mm-hmm. and you follow the chat and you, you know, see if there's any comments and stuff and you got, yeah, there's something there that two, that could become a 10. Yeah. And now you end up with a new, a whole new thing. And so the result is you, you have a buckets that are completely full so that when you, and whenever you go to do another speech, all you're doing is selecting the stuff you've already, your, uh, your series of new twos yeah. from other stuff to go, I'm taking this, I'm taking this, I'm taking this, I'm taking this. I'm doing the eight minute version of that, the six minute version of that, the three minute version of that. And when I was live, uh, opposed to alive, um, when I was delivering live, I would only allow myself the flight to wherever I was going as my prep time. So if I was flying to New York, it's a 45 minute hour flight. That's like, that's all you got. Because, you know, you can just obsess over speeches and get into slide design and you're fixing font size and everything else. Like, nope, you've only got the flight. That's all you got. Interesting. Now, one of the things that you kind of touched on there is when, when you were trying new material, that you're able to uh, immediately in the moment get a sense of like, this is working or this isn't. So I'm curious, that kind of leads to virtual. You start doing virtual and um, there's a, a lot of upsides to virtual. There's a lot of di- downsides. It's, it's um, you can utilize the chat, depending on the size of the group, you may be able to see some faces, but ultimately it's not the same. No. So I'm curious how you, as someone who uses a lot of, cu- uh, of comedy, uses a lot of humor, uses a lot of story, like your, your, uh, momentum and energy as a speaker is built upon the reaction of the audience. And you do such a great job, you know, um, engaging with and and building that reaction from the audience. Walk us through like what the past year has been like for you. I'm assuming that the majority of the speaking you've been doing has been via zoom and virtual. Yeah. Are you enjoying virtual? Do you feel like it's got a place in the market going forward? Are you wanting to continue to it? Just give us your, your kind of experience and views, uh, on all things virtual. Um, so yeah, I, I quite like it. I, um, I think the first, whenever you are, you have limitations imposed on you, the first thing that people do in any category or industry is they say, I'm just going to do what I used to do. And I'm just going to slightly adapt it to this, mm-hmm. to this thing. There's a great, there's a great story that I've used as an example of this. Um, have you ever heard of Bob and Doug McKenzie? They're I like, no, that I have. take off a eh, you hoser. It's, it's Rick Moranis. And Dave okay. Thomas. Okay. And they are probably, you would know them to see them, that the characters, they were, yeah. they're probably two of the most famous comedy characters to come out of Canada. 
they had a movie called Strange Brew that you know it was on SCTV, the original okay. show SCTV. Now the reality of what they did um, was it's two characters sitting in front of a map of Canada, wearing toques, drinking beer out of a stubby brown bottle, saying things like "Take off a you hoser," and the reality is how they created that was that uh, SCTV switched networks in Canada. And when they switched over to the CBC television network, the Canadian radio and television commission told them that they had two extra minutes of time and that they needed to produce more Canadian content in those two minutes. And SCTV said, screw you. We're like, we're all Canadian. We're shooting this in Edmonton. Like how much more Canadian do they want this stupid thing to be? So at first, like many people did, they said, no, we're not doing it. Screw you. We're going to do what we always do. And then they decided, no, but hold on a second. What if we actually did do it? Like, what if we embrace the limitation imposed upon us? They want Canadian content. What's the most over the top, <laughs> ridiculous Canadian content we could come up with. And then it writes itself. Yeah. So I took that approach with zoom. I was like, um, you know, some people were like, I like to stand. And I'm like, no, I'm not standing. I'd be like, I wear a blazer. I'm not wearing a blazer in my basement in front of it. No, I'm not doing that. So I sit down. So I embrace the limitation of it. And so I, I adapted my performance style to be less animated, but also I use the space more. So I would use the microphone like this where I would come in or I use the camera, you know, where I go, where I go deep. The other thing um, that it's, so it's a less animated version but knowing that this is all that people are seeing, they're just seeing yeah. head and shoulders. Yeah. Um, and so I can cock an eyebrow and everybody sees it. Yeah. So I can get way more subtle with my interactions. The other thing is that um, I'm way more intentional. It's almost like I'm an actor opposed to a comedian mm -hmm. because an actor knows the way a comedian would deliver this line and they're not delivering the line with a, with a live crowd but an actor would be able to do it. Yeah. So it's a big shift from going from, I'm not a comedian who's reading the room and everything else. I'm an actor who is delivering lines the way a comedian would deliver them. So, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, there's a, a joke that I reference. I talk about my kids and, and then I talk about the year 1970. This paper came out in 1970. And I said, that was the year I was born. And then I immediately go to, I know, right? You're some of you are sitting, you're like, how's this guy 51? There's no way he looks like he's 35, right? And I go, I know because it's a DIY haircut. That's why. And then I and then I'll say, and some I know some of you, you're also you're kind of going like, how the hell does a 51-year-old have a newborn? <laughs> and then I'll literally turn away from the mic, away from the camera, and go, and I act as if I'm them, and I go. Second marriage. You want to, you want to bet this is second marriage, right? <laughs> and so that's the way that would be delivered in front of a live audience as a comedian, but I have to be so scripted and intentional with it yeah. in this environment because I know that's what's going to play. So it's less, it's not as natural and it's not as organic. It's way more intentional and way more, the jokes are way more scripted because there's nothing there's nothing in the environment that would force me to change the joke. Right. Like, Oh, you laughed really loud. You didn't get that. Like, you know, like you can't play off anything. No crowd work. No. So you're a newscaster. Do you feel like that the, your experience on virtual will make you a better speaker live? Yep. 
I think so. I think, um, uh, I hope so. Maybe I shouldn't assume so, but I, I hope so. Cause I think um, sometimes I do let things like oh, I'll just figure it out in the moment. And I, I, I hesitate to script stuff out. Um, and I think we need to be intentional with our humor. And sometimes I just think, oh, it'll come to me. Or whatever. Like, oh, maybe not all, you know. So yeah, I think so. Um, but I also think it's a, it's a different, it's a different method of delivery. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think what, it takes a lot more confidence because, you know, as a, with a background in comedy, I've got a massive ego and I like to hear the applause at the end of a speech and people laugh, you know, and then the people coming up, like, I love that bit about the thing or a book signing or whatever. And now I go, thank you. And then I just lean in and go click. And, you know, <laughs> like, I go back to work. Um, so I, I, yeah, I can, um, I look forward to doing both in yeah. their, in the unique ways in which they are made for. Uh, we touched on this at the beginning, but you, you do a lot of, of events that pre COVID were great pre COVID. Um, and, but I'm curious kind of what you're seeing right now. We're recording this uh, early summer of 2021 and what your kind of sense is. You're also, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, you're up in Canada. Things are vastly different there. Yeah. Uh, still a lot of lockdown uh, relative to, to the U S um, where the vaccine is, is much more widely available. I'm curious kind of what you're seeing. Are you starting to book more and more in-person events? Are they primarily Canadian? The are fall. you able to, okay. For the fall, are you able to do many for the U S what are, are things starting to come back or what's kind of your, your sense right now? So yeah, things are coming back. I think, you know, and, and it happened pretty quickly. Yeah. Like within a month, people were like, all right, we're going to be here for a while. We need to start bringing in people to inspire our, our folks. Yeah. And so I still did 50 speeches in 2020. All pretty much all virtual. Yeah. I mean, there was, I had a good start to the year. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how yeah. many I did, but I, you know, um, but I did 50 in total. Yeah. Um, so what I'm seeing is uh, it's not back to the, you know, of how robust it was, but yeah, stuff is starting to get booked and um, full fee in-person stuff. Virtual is kind of sitting at usually two thirds fee in a lot of cases. Um, and I know s- some people held strong on that going like, nope, same IP. I'm not changing my fee. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of took the approach at like, you know what I need is I need stage time. I just yeah. need stage time because it's I, new content, new method of yeah. delivery. Every opportunity, I'll take it. Now it's, I'm a bit more uh, selective, but um, yeah. So it's I think it's slowly coming back. I think we will see a little bit of both. I think there's going to be a mad rush at the beginning to get back in front of people. I think sales teams want to be together. I think sales trips that have been, you know, delayed. They're gonna. They're all gonna like people just like oh, I want to go to Bahamas. <laughs> you know. Um, and I think that's going to happen in terms of Canadian speakers going to the U S nothing's going to happen until the borders open. Yeah. So I'm supposed to speak at NSA in Vegas in July. And I was like, I'd love to, but I, I you know, I don't think the border is going to be open. Yeah. Wow. So are do you, do you feel like that you will continue to do virtual going forward? Is this just like, uh, it was kind of, it was a good stopgap for the time, but, um, and it, it kept me afloat, but I, I just need to be in front of people or how do you see virtual fitting in for yourself long-term? Um, I, it's going to be a little bit of both and I don't know what the breakdown, I don't think anybody knows what the breakdown is going to be. Part of me says, eh, people are just going to go back to doing in-person stuff because they're so fun. 
um, and business is going to rebound. I think there's going to be a lot of budgets available and stuff um, uh, to, you know, house hotel people and fly people yep, and stuff. Yep. Um, the other part of me says like, I don't know, now that they've seen what's easy and doable, are people going to want to gather in hotel ballrooms? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm open to it. And, you know, I, what I really love to do is inspire and inform audiences. Yeah. There's 4 million ways of doing that. So um, I'd look forward to kind of doing all of them. Ron, uh, I always enjoy chatting with you. There's a dozen other things I could ask you about, but I want to be respectful of uh, your time. So uh, if people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, you have a great website. Where can we go? Uh, you can go to rontai.com. You can go to churchstate.com. That's yeah. Or just connect on LinkedIn or wherever. Those are the places. Those are the things. Yeah. All Thanks for having job, me, man. Grant. It's been great to be back. Indeed. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. And again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.